This is In Blue, a reptile podcast where we talk to some of your favorite reptile keepers, hoping to find out what they just can't live without. We want to bring you closer to some amazing people sharing their stories and experiences about life and the animals they love. Join us as we go deep in blue to shed what we know and gain a fresh new perspective about reptiles and their keepers. I'm Rachel. And I'm Heidi. Welcome to In Blue, a reptile podcast. This is episode three, and our guest today is Tom Harbin. Hey, guys. Hey, Tom. Tom. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, you know, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at a little bit, okay? And we won't go into a lot of... uh, (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, of course, I'm I'm enjoying the reptile world, have most of my life, uh, Started when I was six, and in a couple of months, I'll turn 70 years old. So I've been at it for a day or two. Oh, wow. And, that's awesome. Uh, but I, as a uh, profession, I consider the reptiles a profession at some level, too. But um, I'm a veterinarian and have been practicing veterinary medicine for 43 years now. I graduated from Auburn University in uh, 1979. Uh, have a beautiful wife of 47 years and uh, two sons that are. 40 something and uh two grandchildren that live in uh chattanooga tennessee two grandboys i think they're 10 and 12 now um i uh, i wouldn't mind hearing a little more about uh what you told us this morning about having uh twin baby goats how long well, have how, you been yeah, having goats yeah yeah how did i forget that um my <laughs> wife and i um after i graduated vet school some opportunities took us to tennessee so we lived there for 37 years um, before that, before I started vet school, when I started dating my wife, um, one of the requirements that her daddy would let me continue to date her and possibly marry her was to go to work on the farm. And so she was raised on a dairy farm. And so he put me out in the barn, milking cows and driving tractors and whatever else, you know, scooping poop and whatever else comes along with that, with that work. And, uh, so I, I married a gal that, uh, I told somebody the other day, she has dirt in her and her blood veins. And uh, <laughs> if she's not attached to the earth, she is not happy. And so when we moved back to uh, Alabama five years ago, I saw my practice in uh, 2015. And uh, we moved back to Alabama where we are both from. And uh, we started raising goats about five years ago. And so uh, uh, this year, as of this morning, we've had 31 or 32 babies already this season, oh, which wow, would wow. cover the last two months. Yeah, we, wow. we've got the uh, spotted boar goats, which are meat goats. We don't milk goats or make soap or shampoo or all that fancy stuff. But uh, um, so we have the uh, meat goats and we actually raise them for reproductive stock. We sell them mostly to other people who are raising and uh, we have a registered herd and uh, try to maintain a top notch herd there. And uh, so that's what we were doing this morning. I thought I was going to be late for this podcast. And uh I was supposed to meet you guys at 1030 and looked at my watch at 1025 and said, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> uh, well, we would have uh, understood. It, I was like, okay. that would have been the it, greatest excuse. At least I, I did pull the dirty shirt off the top of this one after we were wrestling kids this morning. So uh, anyway, <laughs> got to present well if I can. So yeah. for people who don't know, what reptiles do you keep? Well, right now, just snakes. Um 
you know, I've got three species of snakes. I've got the, uh, the Western hogs. I've got a few corns. Uh, I've got ball pythons. You know, I'm going to correct that. I, I picked up two pairs of uh, king snakes when uh, my friend Tony Jones passed away, and I, I bought a lot of his collection. And uh, so I do have a pair of uh, gray bands and a pair of uh, Applegate Special Pyros. So uh, I, I guess, you know, that totals something north of 200, you know, snakes. And, oh, wow. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's plenty. That's plenty. Uh, <laughs> I think we sold about 400 maybe since last year. So, uh, oh, goodness. you know, I have tried over the years with different lizards and um, tortoises and things, but as you know, that they just require daily care for the most part. And uh, uh, snakes work for my lifestyle a lot better than, uh, you know, lizards and geckos and all that. Uh, I, I used to race Gila's. I, I have um, since, you know, gotten out of that. We moved to Alabama and you're not supposed to have them in Alabama. So uh, I did get rid of the Gila's and uh, would die for some more of those too. Maybe, maybe we can sneak that in somewhere along the way. So Tom, tell us something about yourself that a lot of people don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I'm, of course, as you know, when I'm at shows and most everywhere else I am, I, I love to talk to people and get to know people. And, uh, I'm fairly transparent, fairly open. Um, yeah. Okay. Here we go. I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. Okay. So it may not surprise you after dating for a year and being married almost 47 years that we have had a fight or two along the way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. so, surely not Tom, you know, but uh, you know, anyway, so we have had our shares of, uh, you know, ups and downs with, I guess about 30 years ago, uh, my wife and I actually worked together every day. We, we opened up our veterinary practice in 1981, sold it in 2015. Uh, I practiced with another guy two years before that. So I'm making this story a little bit too long. But uh, we opened up the practice together. We were the only two employees. And so needless to say, we didn't always agree on everything. <laughs> you know, we had different ideas. Uh you know, me being the veterinarian and she being the farm girl and uh, a, a good business girl. So we had a time there to win. We really just rubbed each other the wrong way. And uh, one day my wife told me, Sarah, uh, you might hear me call her Sally when we're at snake shows. But, um, you know, she said, if you don't straighten up, she said, I'm leaving. And I guess I didn't take her serious. And uh -oh. So what did I do? You know, I act like a, a butt. And I said, well, toodaloo. <laughs> um, I know. I, right, Heidi? I should have oh, known better. Man. I did know better. <laughs> well, when I said toodaloo, you know, she gave me the see you, bud. And she took off. Mm -hmm. I didn't see her for almost 24 hours. And, uh, you know, that has been one of the saddest days in our relationship. Um, but we have worked it out. Uh, we're better off today than we've ever been relationally. Um, so, you know, that digs down pretty deep, pretty deep to tell you something about me that most people don't know that haven't known yeah. me for long. So did you just treat, um, like farm animals and domestic animals or did you treat exotics? You know, when I came out of school, um, my wife being raised on a dairy farm, uh, that's, you know, and I fell in love with that way of life. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. uh, the farm people who depend on treating their animals well and producing milk or meat or whatever, you know, to, to feed their family. I just fell in love with that way of life. And so the first 20 years I was in practice, I primarily uh, did dairy cows uh, in Tennessee. Now, all along the way, I was still doing some reptile stuff, you know, um, but as a profession, uh, the dairy cows brought in, you know, the income that, that paid the bills and, uh, and sustained us. Um, after 20 years, we had an interesting situation in my practice. Uh, I had an associate and here we go again. I'm probably digging a little too deep here, but I think some people know this, but, um, uh, associate I had uh, downloaded my database and set up a practice across town and sent a letter out to all of my clients that Dr. Harvin had turned over his large animal practice to this unnamed person. And so after that day, my phone quit ringing for farm calls. And so we, we really started just um, uh, without taking this guy to court. We just said, you know, let's just change directions. I'm tired of chasing my tail 24-7. And uh, so we started doing more of the domestic animals. And uh, that allowed me to do more reptile work and exotic work. And, and uh, so I've pretty well been doing mixed companion animal, you know, exotic and dog and cat, any kind yeah. of pocket pets, whether it's ferrets or chinchillas or, you know, guinea pigs, uh, rats. People love rats. When Everywhere I go, when people find out I've got rats that I feed my snakes, they say, oh, no, you can't feed those. So everybody gets a rat for a pet, right? So, uh, so that's sort of what my practice has looked like. Uh, I now work for another veterinarian three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, so I'm, I'm part-time. I'm not retired by any means, but uh, still work part-time in, in the veterinary world, which I love. Um, I had an opportunity about three months ago now. Um, I've helped several students get in, in vet school along the way. And so they go up and they get involved in vet school and join the clubs, you know, the there's a, a reproduction club. There's a zoo medicine club. There's, you know, tons of clubs that, that they do extracurricular things that sort of support veterinary medicine. Well, they, they started having these things and they said, Oh my goodness, you need to invite Dr. Tom to come down and give a talk. And so um, I had an opportunity to go down, uh, go up to Auburn university, uh, which is about an hour up the road from us here in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, spent one evening with the veterinary students. And so, uh, as a result of that, the anatomy staff has invited me to come up and help them in their reptile medicine uh, education. So that's going to start uh, probably next semester. And so that's going to be a new fun opportunity for me. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that um, because I think, as you guys know, part of what you guys do when people come to your tables uh, at the expos and things, a lot of what we do is educate, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think if we're not, we're, we're not, we're not doing right by our customers and, and by the new people who are trying to come into this uh, hobby and industry. And, and so I love to teach. I, I do that every day when I'm at the clinic. And uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to be associated with the vet school and, and teaching reptile medicine. So, so what's the most guys. unusual animal you've seen in your practice? Humans. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Like, yeah, like, what is the like just craziest customer you can think of? You know, um, when I was in Tennessee, um, one of the um, junkyards where they accumulate automobiles that have been wrecked and sell parts, I guess we used to call those junkyards. I don't know what they call them now. Auto parts, junkyards. sales or something. I don't know. Um, 
but they kept this chimpanzee on on uh, on premises there, and uh, it was a disgusting animal. Um, it loved to smoke. It loved to drink beer. And if you got close enough, it loved to urinate on you. So when they told me that, you know, this chimpanzee needed some work, I'm thinking, uh, why don't you take it to the guy down the road? But anyway, they brought it over to me. And um, we ended up uh, finding an intestinal cancer. And so we, we did an exploratory surgery on the chimp and uh, it was inoperable. So we ended up, you know, putting, you know, putting that little, that, that big guy down. Uh so I guess in terms of unusual, you know, animals, that would probably rate, rate pretty high up toward the top. Now, your question was two parts. You, yeah. I think we started off what was one of the most unusual, you know, cases yeah. that I've ever seen. And I could go on and on about that. You know, uh, we have something new every day. Um, but the people who come in are what makes the day. You know, now I love the medicine. I, I love operating. I love, uh, you know, I'm a bone surgeon. I've gone back to Ohio State and Auburn and done some postgraduate training in orthopedic surgery. So if I can get my hands on a broken bone, I've got a smile on my face, you know. Um, <laughs> but when we were in Manchester, Tennessee, uh, there was a lady who called on the phone and she said, somehow or another, she said, I got these bugs from my dog and she said uh, the doctor doesn't know what they are she'd been to the human doctor and she said can i bring them in and uh show them to you i said eh, i don't know about that i really don't want to be your doctor so anyway push comes to shove she wouldn't let me alone so she comes in one day with a baggie you know a little ziploc sandwich bag mm -hmm. and it had some stuff in it and so she said here they are i told you i i gotten these bugs and i said okay so i went under you know put gloves on and went to the microscope and looked at the contents of the bag. And all it was was scabs off of this lady's skin. Now, if you oh. want to edit this out, that, this, this is disgusting. <laughs> um, you know, probably keep me awake tonight, just going back and talking about this. But uh, <laughs> so when I came back in and told her, she said, she said, no, she said, you're just wrong. She said, let me show you. And I said, does she have another baggie or what's she got? Well, the lady drops her pants right there in my exam room. And I was like, holy crap. Yes. And so I said, I got to go. I said, I got to go. So I, I still think that was probably one of the most unusual things. Um, wow. Ever. That's a lot. I mean, it, yeah, that's a lot, right? In my practice in Tennessee. Now, we did not live in the sticks or anything, but it was rural. I think we had 10 traffic lights in the town we were in, but we traveled out when I was doing large animal medicine, we'd go about 25 miles was sort of our limit. Um, one time, two times on a farm call and one time on an emergency call after hours for a dog. Um, I was held at gunpoint three times uh, so far. Wow. Yes. And, and one time wow. I thought was the real deal. The other two times I, I just, you know, um, but you know, people are serious about their animals and uh, some people take care of business in different ways than you and I might think of taking care of business. Yes. But uh, yeah, uh, truly that, that's, uh, I could tell you all three of those stories, but here I am, you know, I didn't get shot. So big deal, right? So do so, you, you, you have a really, never boring. yeah, I was going to say, you have a really busy life um, with the, you know, the farm and, and doing the veterinary stuff. Do you have other hobbies? Is there something that you just really enjoy outside of the animals? 
Well, there's two other things that that take take a, a lot of our time that we give our time to. Sarah and I are both very involved in the church that we're a part of. Uh, I'm actually on the leadership team at our church there. Um, music has always been a big part of my life. Uh, I play guitar. Uh, I love to play guitar and I used to like to sing, but I can't sing so well anymore if I, if I ever used to could. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was uh, 12 years old when the Beatles came to the United States and fell in love with guitar playing and Somewhere along the way, I, I love woodworking too, and uh, I am still working on crafting my abilities of making guitars. I've got several acoustic guitars wow. that I have made, and and wow. uh, so anyway, that's just a lot of fun. It's very rewarding. Are you uh, making them just for yourself, or are you planning on selling them? You know, I have primarily just made them for myself, but sometimes when I finish one, somebody will say, I, I'd really like to have that guitar, and so... Uh, I have sold a few, but well, you know, I, I mean, I was raised on, you know, the sixties music, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the Beatles and the Stones and Led Zeppelin and Grand Funk Railroad and all that stuff. But somewhere along the way, there began a transition, not to really country music, but y'all may have never heard of this guy, but John Denver, you know, uh, mm -hmm. came on the scene. Do y'all know John yeah. Denver? Yes. Yeah. It's like my parents have given Thank me a large taste of music. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. Well, I used to play um, John Denver songs to my boys when they were little and help them go to sleep. And uh, yeah, Sarah and I had some of his music in our wedding. And, uh, you know, Annie's song is one of his sort of famous songs. Mm -hmm. and thank God I'm a country boy and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is another area of my life that I have not let go cold, you know. So I still, when I have time, I'll sit down and play the guitar. You know, we were talking about some interesting situations a few minutes ago. Um, and I'm sure you guys do a lot of different reptile shows as I do too. Mm -hmm. um, we had a situation at one of the uh, Atlanta Repticon shows about five years ago. I was set up across the aisle from, um, do y'all know SNS? Uh, yes. Yeah. Nice, yep. nice folks. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, she, she used to have these two teenagers that would go out and do one show and she would do another show and she sort of, diversified and so we were in atlanta and i was right across the aisle from uh uh her booth when when she had the young man and the young lady uh, taking care of the snakes and all day long they had been pulling this big dumarell's boas out and you know putting it around people's mm -hmm. shoulder and and all this stuff and and it, it was you know a little chaotic and i i just you know told the people that i was with i said this doesn't look good to me i, I just you know um mm -hmm. So in a few minutes, the crowd just, or later on that day, the crowd just got really big and I, I just sensed something was going on. And, and a lady breaks out of the crowd with just these big eyes, you know, and she just looked in a panic. And she said, would you please come help these people? I said, well, what can I do? She said, well, this snake is trying to eat this boy. I said, I'm on my way. So, <laughs> and sure enough, I had seen him. It was, it was, you know, it was a probably close to 10 foot, eight, nine, 10 foot Dumbrell's boa. And, you know, they get pretty girthy and uh, head yeah. big as my hand. And uh, yep. so I, I was reaching in my pocket to get my wallet out because I have, I don't know, probably a lot of people do this, but when a big snake gets on, if you just get a credit card and start at the nose and just shove the credit card down their mouth, it releases the teeth. And yeah. so before I got to the, before I got to the boy, uh, I had a credit card in hand. And, um, and so I, I, I looked at him and I said, Oh no, he had blood running down his face. And the Dumeril spoke literally, had the whole left side of his face covered up. I mean, he had opened his mouth 180 and latched on. I couldn't even wow. see his left eye. 
and uh-huh. uh, so it and he was you know he was taking and pulling the snake you know just it was stretching his skin and I said you got to stop you got to stop I said let me so we got the snake off of him and uh, I had laid my wallet down on the table and uh, got some first aid you know for the young man and uh, put my credit card back up and went back to my table and a few minutes the young lady came over. And she says, oh, I thought you might like this back. She had one of my credit cards. She had gotten into my wallet and gotten a credit card to try to, you know, help me. And so I immediately called all my credit card companies and I said, what is going on here? So she didn't use my credit card, so I didn't have to cancel the credit cards. But you never know what you'll get into at a reptile show. You might just say Uh, that. So is that the most interesting thing you've ever seen happen at a reptile show? Or have you seen something better, worse. I mean, it depends on how you want to word it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's the, that's probably the most entertaining thing. And I can tell you the worst thing that's ever happened to me at a reptile show. Um, I don't know if this happened to other people. I know it has happened to some other people, but um, we do the Daytona show every year. And this has been about um, 12 years ago now, maybe 10. Um and usually we'll pack up our baby snakes, you know, in, in the little display things and lock them in, you know. And mm-hmm. the night before we were ready to leave, I said, you know, I, some of the babies were a little young. They'd only eaten five or six times. And I said, I'm going to just put these in cups and, you know, put some cypress mulch in with them. And, you know, I don't want them to dehydrate during the show or on the trip or whatever. I was really wanting to take better care of my babies mm-hmm. somehow or another. Well, anyway, I got up the next morning about four o'clock. Cause we usually drive down straight through and uh, you know, set up and I was loading my things and 13 of my babies had died during the night. Oh no. 13 babies. And, and some of those were like precious to me, you know, they were first time I'd ever created this or done that. Or so what had happened is in the stack, I was using the 16 ounce, you know, delicos with the holes punched somewhere in the middle of that stack, 13 of the cups did not get punched. Oh no. I know. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I literally, I sat in the middle of my snake room floor and cried like a baby. Oh, I, just I imagine. I have to say, I imagine I would have too. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, what, what, what a lesson for me. I hope that never happens again. And me sharing it maybe would save a life, but, um, I was being so careful to provide extra care for those babies the night before to put them in mulch yeah. and everything. Oh. And here, you know, yeah, with the best of intentions, it, it really went haywire. So wow, that's probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. And that's um, something I've never even thought of is making sure all those holes are on there. I, oh, wow. That's a new thing to think about. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Now, we were in Daytona four years ago and, um, in the Western hognose, I had hatched out my very first super Arctic hognose, Western hognose. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were not all that common. It was like a $2,500 snake then. Now, you know, there, there's plenty more of them now. But um, <laughs> come to find out, uh, that snake was stolen from me. I took it to display it. And that was before I had displays with lids that would hold down and all that, you know, and so anyway, that, that snake turned up missing uh, right at the end of the day on Saturday. Um, 
I, there's three other groups of people that I set up as shows with, and we have a big end cap with six or eight tables, and and yeah. all of them ask me, hey, we want to run out before the show closes. Can you watch our table? I said, well, sure. And so, you know, as it goes, uh, two people got me on one corner of the end cap and just, you know, they were interested in blah, 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 you know, and mm-hmm. another guy came around and picked up the snake and took off with it. Come to find out, um, the same group of people uh, stole a couple of snakes from Travis Whistler at that show. And, and of course, the word got out and, and the kid that stole them posted such and such and such and such is for sale. And Brent, Brent Bumgartner and one other individual contacted them and says, I've been looking for a super Arctic. I've been looking for this other snake. Can you send me some pictures? And so Brent sends me pictures of the snake and I compare it to my pictures. And, you know, I mean, every snake pretty well has a fingerprint. Their pattern is pretty. I mean, it's different, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Travis Whistler uh, packed up one of his friends, one of his uh, bouncer friends at one of the local pubs. And they traveled to Orlando, Florida and set up a buy. They were going to buy all these snakes. And of course the kid shows up and they had the police right around the corner waiting on the kid. And uh, so uh, they get the kid out in the parking lot, uh, the dorm parking lot where the kid stayed. Um, University of central Florida, I think is in Orlando maybe. And, uh, and so, you know, they told the kid and uh, they said, okay, got some options here. It's going to go down one of two ways. You're going to give us those snakes right now or the cops are waiting right around the corner. And evidently the guy just freaked out. And I think he was crying and he was just, you know, saying, Oh, please, 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 please. He said, I'm already in trouble for something else. No surprise. Right. Uh, (laughs) He said, let's go up to my dorm room right now. Went up to his dorm room. They did have my snake and they had two snakes. He had stolen from Travis. And had a whole shelf full of other snakes that he had stolen. And he gave all these snakes to Travis and, and they got lost, you know? So again, we attract some of the best and some of the worst people. Mm-hmm. We do. In the world. Luckily it's, there are more good than bad for sure. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, By far but away. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, a, as you say that, I, and I don't mean to sound silly or anything, but um, my life would be so much poorer had I not made all the friends that I've made in the last 40 years in the reptile industry. You know, some of the best people, like you say, in the whole world. And so uh, it's just a privilege to have friends, you know, that uh, people think we're weirdos. I, I understand. I understand that. Okay. Well, I don't understand, but I, that's okay, right? Um, but we're weirdos when together. I, uh, I was going to say, we're all together in it. It's good. It works for us. Are either one of your children into reptiles? The the younger ones, uh, yes, both of them are now. Uh, the younger ones, they have crested geckos, and, and they're sort of playing with it. But now my older son and his wife, um, his wife is also a veterinarian, um, but they have started raising Western hognose, and they have done their first shows this last year. So, so they're into the Western hognose, you know, awesome. uh, scene and doing real good with it. They're doing real good. You might look them up. They're herping harbins, herping harbins. Uh, Absolutely. So, uh, I was say for yeah, sure. we'll have to yeah. check them out. I love hognose. Yeah, yeah. I do they're too. So cute. I do too. They're fun. I yeah, think we have fun. 10, 10 or 12, and we'll be breeding two females oh, okay. for the first time this year. 
Congratulations. Thank you. Exciting. Yeah, the rest of them are growing up. So it's uh, it's been a process, but it's exciting to know that we'll finally see something, hopefully, you know, come from them. But, uh, oh, they're such little spitfires. I love hognose. They're just the greatest ever. Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. Um, of course, you know, people have trouble with them getting them to eat. They'll buy them at a show that are well-established. They'll take them home, put them in a 20-gallon aquarium or something, and don't understand why they won't eat. And mm -hmm. So... I had, I had some folks come through from uh, Slidell, Louisiana. I had sold them a snake at a show that was eating live only. And he said, would you take it home and get it started on Frozen Thawed before I buy it? I said, sure. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And uh, he had bought another one from someone else. And uh, it was a feeder and it wouldn't eat. And so they came through uh, day before yesterday, came through uh, Montgomery here and stopped at the, at the house here. And uh, I said, I don't know what you're doing wrong, but I said, let's, let's take them out to the shed out there. Well, the one that he had bought from me, plus the other one that he had bought from somebody else that he couldn't get to eat, um, I had both of them eating within 30 minutes. And so it was just really neat to help them, you know, be more successful. And, and they showed me their setup. I said, well, you'll never be successful with a cute setup, you know, until they get mm -hmm. much bigger and mm -hmm. well started. So, yeah. um, you know, but anyway, so it's that's kind of fun, too. I texted them back this morning. Uh, Friday night, uh, I fed theirs, the one that they brought with them, a uh, toad-scented pinky, and it, it just ate it right off the forceps. And uh, so I went out this morning and thawed out another pinky and put it in there with this snake, and it ate it within 30 minutes. So I just got to get them in a little bit better shape with their husbandry and housing and all that kind of stuff. So about six months ago, I started a little high school uh, kid. He, he's 17 years old, but uh, uh, just to you know, do some cleaning for me. And uh, so I've got the ball Python room and then I've got a separate room for the hog nose. And so I went through and showed him everything to do. And he was doing fine in the hog nose room. Well, I got home, I guess the third or fourth day in the hog nose room. And he had left somewhere between 20 and 30 of the little tubs just cracked on the front. And so I had babies all over the room. Yes, oh, you did. Now, when I, when I made the room, I made it even snake-proof for a baby hognose. They can't get out. And thank goodness the ones that got out were recognizable morphs. There weren't any het for this or het for that. And so I was able to get them back in. And I was able to recover every one of them. But I tell you what, uh, I, got a, I, I got a hold of the kid. I said, you can never go back in my hognose room again. Yeah, said, no. It is forbidden <laughs> territory. Did you make him help you? There were a couple. Of, <laughs> no, I, I didn't want him around. So he and I worked that out. So, yeah, I'd be upset uh, too. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there, there were five or six, you know, empty tubs that were cracked at the front. And sometimes I'll put it back in a little damp and just let them air out, you know. And he said, mm -hmm. oh, he said, I saw those empty, those open ones there. And I thought you were supposed to leave them cracked on the front. I said, no. No. <laughs> How much and, does no, that make? and no. Yeah. Right. Right. I know. I know. I know. It's so, teenage anyway, he's void brain. Yes. Teenage void brain. There you go. It's so we we had a um, a customer that purchased a ball python, um, and not not an inexpensive one, probably a mid range one. Um, as a pet, she had done all her research, and she she took this animal home, and I don't know after about and it was well started, right. Um, so after about two or three months, she calls us and she's like, I can't get it to eat. So we go through her husbandry and um, 
we walk through everything and everything is fine. All of her husbandry is perfect. Her humidity, temperature, everything is perfect. And uh, we were like, well, you know, what, what size prey item are you trying to feed it? And she's like, oh, I don't know, like about two inches long or so. And uh, we were like, okay. And um, she, she keeps going on and she's, she's trying to feed this ball python baby carrots. No way. And we were like, why are you trying to feed it carrots? Well, that's the, about the right size. And we're like, it's a snake. Like you've, she, she had done all this research. Like she knew how to keep the, the yeah. habitat properly. And we're like, how oh did you God. miss <laughs> to eat an animal? And she's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm vegan. And I'm like, but your snake is not vegan. Like it doesn't work that way. Oh my God. And she's like, oh, I, I can't feed it a rat. And I was like, well, then you're, it's not going to eat carrots. So what would you like to do with it? And she's like, well, I'm going to have to give it back. And I was like, I think that's a very good idea. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> we took it back. We were like, you need not to have, you can't have any snakes because they all eat meat. <laughs> yes. Like, oh no. An insane, I, 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 insane wow. story. I can't even. Yeah, you'd like to know. <laughs> where she did her research you know all of this research that she did you know but she knew like everything else was perfect like absolutely perfect wow did she wow. think she could just change wow. its nature <laughs> i i don't know what she was thinking like jack and i were just like wait you're kidding right and she was like no and she's like i'm i'm vegetarian and i'm like or vegan and honey like your snake is not <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was blown away. Of course, we have Petland and PetSmart and mm -hmm. all that stuff here in town. And, you know, they'll send these corn snakes home with people and ball pythons home and tell them what size crickets to feed them. And, you know, they just don't know. It, it, there ought to be a way that we can um, deal with that. But I guess there's not. Well, I was going to say for us, it was... Um going to pet stores and talk like especially the smaller ones we would spend a lot of time on the weekend doing that um and and going to help educate the people that were in the stores running the reptile department like we would just get to know them and be friends with them so that they had another resource other than whatever pamphlets they were handed or whatever they find yeah. out on the internet you know if they if they wanted to ask a real person a question like jack and i were really adamant about making sure they had our, um, our contact information or, you know, to make sure that we were available to, to the people in the store. Like, if you just want to call me and ask me a question, whether you take my advice or not, um, I'm more than happy to answer your question. Like, even if you yeah. never bought a snake yeah. for me and um, just so that you're not giving misinformation to your customers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the most entertaining parts about dealing with people that are thinking about getting a snake or um, almost, uh, I'll say most of the time, not almost always, but, you know, do you ever get bit by your snakes? Yes. Thinking, well, at least every day, you know, I mean, nope. you get yeah. these little snippy baby ball pythons, hog nose. If your hog nose aren't biting you, they're not alive. You know, I'm just saying. They <laughs> uh, you know? Um, but people are entertaining, and I try to take that as I 
a, a learning opportunity, you know, instead of making people feel stupid, you know, mm -hmm. definitely. Uh, right. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it just never ceases to amaze me what people don't know. And, and they probably think the same about me. I, I, yeah. you know, he should know that by yeah. now. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, that, that's just kind of fun. I was gonna say, I've actually never been bit. Um, it's really? not, yeah, I've been keeping for about three years now and it's not for a lack of not trying to get bit. I'm not actively sticking my hand in there, but, uh, I've actually am the only one out of the three of us that deal with the reptiles that hasn't been bit. And I'm the one who deals with them all the time. Uh, you know, Robert's busy with the rack business and I mean, I help with that, but I focus more on the snakes and my son helps me in there, but, and both of them have been bit but not me. I Even baby? Wow. No, none you of my babies have ever been baby or anything? No. Oh, that floor is Wow. Now, no I did have a customer, a customer that has bought two core snakes from me. He's, he's actually in vet school, so I won't. He may listen to this, so I better be careful what I say about <laughs> Ricky. Um, so, you know, and he had found out, of course, when, I, when a hog nose bites me, if I let them get me, uh, I end up swelling up. A little bit um looks like two ant bites or whatever and it hurts i mean when they poke when they poke those rear fangs in you it hurts uh, it, uh, that's all i can say um and, and i did have one day it it made one side of my thumb numb after the swelling went down it was numb for about six hours and so i, I went to work and was telling these stories you know and and so uh, this young man uh, that has the corn snakes uh he came out to the house and he says, okay. He says, I want to get bit by one of those hog nose. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> you may be sensitive. You know, I, I may be taking you to the hospital, but that's yeah. kind of unusual for somebody to say, yeah, can you let one of those venomous snakes bite me? I said, no. well, okay. You know, here we go. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to no. do that. <laughs> There's always plenty of stories to tell in this, in this life, especially when you're around snakes and snake people. Yeah, we're we were all very entertaining. <laughs> we were. Uh, yeah, we are. We are. We do like um, rattlesnake relocation in our just in our immediate neighborhood, like on our street, because everybody around here knows um, that we'll come get them and move them um, to somewhere safe, so no one gets hurt. You know? And um, we were we were catching one last uh, couple months ago, I guess, and um, big old female. And we're putting her in the bucket and we're trying not to disturb her as much as possible. Right. And these people are like, can you take the lid off so we can take pictures? And Jack is like, what is wrong with you people? You didn't want anything to do with this snake while it was laying there trying to get away from you guys. And now you want to sit. Wow. He's like, go for it. Take the lid off the bucket. And they're like, no, you have to. And he's like, no, nope. like, this is He's like, this is, that's, I came over to protect you guys. Like if you wanted to get the snake and take pictures and be stupid, then you should have done all of that. Oh it's my like, goodness. Wow. I think um, the year, the year that um, the movie Forrest Gump came out and I don't know what year that was. I think it was 1985, but we'd have to go back and check that out. That's been a long time, hasn't it? But anyway, we used to go to the ETHS show that Dave Darty uh, would put on down up in Houston, mm -hmm. uh, on the north side of Houston. Yeah. And um, so 
that was back when gray bands were really sort of the deal. And um, so I had always wanted to go and hunt. And so uh, the other uh, vet that uh, Dave used to work with, uh, Pete Craig, he said, hey, just come on out three or four days early. We'll go down to Del Rio. We'll go hunt snakes. And so we did. And um, a good friend of mine, Jimmy Norton from uh, uh, from Tennessee, uh, we were hunting every night, all night long. And so finally the last night, uh, I saw one crawling up the rock face there. And I, I hollered at Jimmy. I said, Jimmy, I got one. I got one. And it, it was a, uh, a club ride. It was a rock rattler. And, uh, of course, you know, they look just like the alternate phase of uh, the gray band. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I had my snake hook and I had picked him off the wall and dropped him down the ground and Jimmy had gotten there and he'd put the, the flashlight behind me. And I said, okay, Jimmy, I said, I'm going to flip him out in the road so we can catch him. And so I, I didn't really, and Jimmy was right over my left shoulder. I didn't, you know, realize that the snake had wrapped his tail around my snake hook. And so when I went to flick it over my shoulder, it hooked onto my hook just long enough instead of going out away from me, it went straight over my shoulder and right over the top of his head just like that. I was like, holy cow, we're in the middle of nowhere and somebody's fixing to get by, bit by a, a rock rattler on their forehead. And so wow. I was never as relieved as when I turned around and Jimmy didn't get bit. So that was the only snake we caught the whole the whole week that we hunted. But uh, that was my Del Rio experience when we went down to you know, ride Highway 90 and 277 and all that. So uh, it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun. I was going to say, we've gone herping a few times and we have a place about 20 minutes from us, 20, 30 minutes max. And we've seen um, copperheads and water snakes and uh, yeah. Yeah. glossies and all sorts of little things. Yeah. Uh, nothing, fun, you know, super wow. But it's always fun yeah. just to go see, hey, what can I find? Yeah, but, yeah. Now we we've got a farm here. We've got sixty acres. It's it's a small farm, but uh, with the goats and uh, we have a, a couple of cows. And anyway, um, about half of our land is wooded and half of it's open pasture. And uh, so I have taken just a lot of scraps of tin and roofing material and just put it all in the woods. And so I can go herping right here without leaving my house, you know. And nice. we we find quite a few animals, you know, uh, all the time. But it's just fun to get out and take pictures, you know, and handle them for a minute and then turn them loose. And, you know, now I I do the tin and stuff to attract, you know, the snakes. And Mm -hmm. if I'll find a copperhead or a timber, we've got a lot of copperheads and timber rattlers right here. And so I'll move them somewhere else instead of, because we have the goats. And uh, I I think if a timber were to bite one of the goats, it'd probably die. So, you know, can't have that happen. With removals, I always think it's interesting uh, when Robert goes on him, he'll take Logan with him sometimes. And people are so amazed. They're like, you let your kid touch snakes? You let your kid get that out? You know, because Logan can do it. Uh, he doesn't uh, really remove anything venomous. Uh, he's, Robert's let him help, but Robert handles most of that. But like rat snakes and stuff like that, Logan will get right up in there and just do it. That's he's right. like, That's he's like right. I've been bit. I mean, he's like, it hurts, but I'm over it yeah. pretty it's not that big yeah. of a deal. My favorite thing to find in the yard are the the little um, the brown and red little wood skinks. I don't know what they call them, what they're called, but they have like red sides and they're brown on the back, and we get tons of them, oh. tons of okay. them. And they're they're like I don't know, four to six inches long, but that's my favorite thing to find in the yard because they're super quick and that's they cool. I like the way they wiggle. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're adorable. I love them. I like I like lizards with super short legs. So um, those are my favorites. Little stocky legs. I was on the on the way home from either the Conroe show or the Longview show. I'm not sure now. I could go back and look at my, you know, sales tickets. Um, but anyway, when I do a long, it's about a 12 hour trip for me uh, from here where we are south of Montgomery. And so when I when I get in the before I get in the car, I'll go to the bathroom and change. You know, I get out of my blue jeans and put on my gym shorts, and I know I'm going to be in the saddle for 10 hours. You know, and uh, so I just want to get comfortable. Jack I did have a Tom Reptiles. Absolutely. Well, I had a Tom Reptiles t-shirt on and I forgot. And, you know, I had my my mid-calf, you know, blue or black socks on and my tennis shoes, you know, or my or my Nikes or whatever. So to be caught out in public looking like that is, you know, it's not how I would dress if I wanted to go out and just <laughs> hang out with people, you know. But, uh, you know, so here I, I head, you know, back east from Texas. And um, I know I've got to stop somewhere and get some fuel because it's, it's more than one tank. And I'm just trying to get some miles behind me. And, you know, I get into Mississippi and I'm thinking, oh, I really don't want to stop in Mississippi because I've heard all the horror stories about Mississippi. And, you know, they're, they're going to kill me and all this kind of stuff. So I finally get close to Jackson, Mississippi. And Jackson, Mississippi has a reputation of some rough uh, element there. So I look for a station, village station, like the size of Bucky's or something where it's lit up well. Of course, there's not a Bucky's, but but I, I get to a filling station. It's got 10 or 12 pumps, and it's lit up real well. And, you know, the, the food part is open, so you can go in and get something to eat and something to drink. So I pull up to the first gas pump, and there's this little short man standing there, and he's fooling with the gas pump. Then he gets in his pocket, and he goes back and does something else with the gas pump, and he doesn't have a vehicle. And I'm thinking, you know, this is odd. I think I'll go to the other end. So I go to the other end, you know, I get out and nobody's sketchy there. And uh, I put the, uh, you know, fuel thing in and just go in to get something to drink. Well, I go in and um, it was two o'clock in the morning-ish or something. And I walk, I walk in and I'm thinking, everybody turns around and looks at me. And, and I was the only old man in there, the only person that looked like me. And I forgot what I was wearing. And, and now I know why they were turned around and look at me, but it didn't dawn on me at the moment because I was probably sweating bullets. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at the lines moving slow. I'm just looking around like, let's see who's going to bug me, you know? And, um, and then the front door opens and this guy walks in. He looked like the Hulk. I mean, he had dreadlocks halfway down his back and he, I mean, he was ripped and he was just, um, and black as the ace of spades, as they used to say in South Alabama. And I was thinking, oh, God, this is the guy that they've called to come kill me and take me away and cut me into pieces. <laughs> I mean, you know, my mind's just going crazy. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, Wah. and there was nobody in the line behind me. So I'm watching this guy out of the corner of my eyes. And, um, and so he gets his drink. He walks in and gets in the line behind me. I'm saying, okay, I was right. He's come to get me. And uh, the next breath in the loud voice, he said, Tom Harbin reptiles. And everybody in the store just stopped and turned around and looked. I'm thinking, and so I turn around. He says, are you the Tom Harbin? I said, well, yes. <laughs> you know? And uh, he said, man, he said, I've been watching uh, 
videos of you on YouTube. He said, you and Justin Kubilka and, you know, different people that have done videos uh, with me. And um, he said, I've been wanting to talk to you. He, he stuck his hand out. He said, hi, I'm Jerry Norwood running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, and, that's uh, so awesome. Yeah. I thought he came to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> it probably would look like it, though. That's a probably looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, wow. Jerry and I have been in contact. We've been in contact a little bit since then. He wants to come over to the house, and that hasn't happened yet. My dog just walked in the house, so I heard something behind me. <laughs> um, so anyway, you know, stuff like when you get out in public and you look like a fool, you know, then you attract attention, and uh, you look like a, a little old man wearing his gym short and his high black socks and his Tom <laughs> Reptiles T-shirt. So uh, anyway, that's well, one of the most fun he probably didn't. I don't know. No. I think everybody else did, but uh, you yeah. know, he probably. <laughs> anyway, so that that's my latest little thing that's been sort of fun to happen. Why don't you tell people how they would get in touch with you? Well, um, I, I do have a presence on uh, Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Tom Harbin Reptiles. Um, I'm not really really good about keeping that 100 percent up to date but if something cool you know comes along or a good story you know i'll put it on there um i can be found on morph market uh, that's where i list all my animals that are available and for sale and when stuff uh, gets ready to go so those are the two places that people might look for me i do have an instagram account but gosh i don't have time to sit down and do instagram i <laughs> i choose not to do it i don't say i don't have time um <laughs> But those would be the two places to look for me or and at the next reptile and show that comes to your world. I, I do the four NARBC shows every year, both Arlington and both Tinley's. I do um, the Daytona show every August. And then I do eight of the um, Hurt shows with uh, uh, Chad, uh, Sean and, Ch uh, and Lori. And um, so I end up doing about 15 or so shows a year. The, the last time I was at, uh, let's see, Slidell was in December, right? Yeah. Yes. And so um, they had a slot opened up and they asked me would I have any interest in, in becoming a sponsor. So I'm now one of the sponsors. Oh, awesome. Um, Great. With uh, Chan, uh, Sean and I don't know why I say Chad, but uh, Sean and Lori. And uh, so I may be doing more than eight shows a year, but I'm going to be doing at least eight of their shows a year. I do, I do their Conroe show. I do their Slidell shows. And I do their Lafayette shows is what I'm doing right now. Okay. I've Thank been very um, blessed this year to my international market has grown uh, every year. And this year is going to be last year. And this year is going to be a good year for the international uh, stuff. So um, i got stuff going to Thailand, stuff going to India. Um, oh, wow. Right now I'm sitting on the, on the shelf to get ready to go. That's fantastic. Japan, That's awesome. I ship. Yeah, I shipped quite a few hognose to Japan uh, last year. So we'll see where that goes. All right, Mr. Tom. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We'll let you get back to the rest of your day. And um, we really appreciate it. This was a blast. Yes, it was You're so wonderful much fun. Guest. Thank we'll you, guys. We'll catch you later. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye. Have thank you, guys. Tom. Bye. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. That was Tom Harbin with Tom Harbin's Reptiles. And I'm Heidi. And I'm Rachel. And this is in blue. Thank you guys very much. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Bye.